Hello, Creation Fest. How are you? I love this right here already. You're all coming home with me. Hi. All the way from California. I'm going to take her back with me. There are people there who love Jesus, just so you know. You know, I created skipone.org because, to be honest, I've never skipped anything in my life. Food, facials, fashion, I ate it, I bought it. Don't judge me. But when my kids were really little, we decided to, um, a girlfriend of mine talked me into, like, taking two little kids and plastering them on my refrigerator. I have a picture of it. I don't think anything of it. We got a little girl for our daughter, Brooke, who was born in 1999. And we got a little boy for our son, Blake, who was born in 1996. Omega and Alonis. We call him Al. And one night I'm having a party at my house, and a girlfriend of mine brought a woman I'd never met, which I'm cool with that. I'm Italian. I love people. You're all welcome. You're all welcome to come over. But this woman points at my refrigerator, and she goes, you fell for that? How do you know those kids aren't 40 years old and they're just taking your money? I said, I I'm sorry, ma'am. What's your name? Can you get out of my house? No. I said, I guess I'm just having faith that the money's getting there. She goes, yeah, well, I never really fall for that stuff. So that night I go to bed. I said, Bryce, honey, I'm going to Africa. I want to see where our 38 bucks a month's going. That's what he did. He's like, cool, let's spend $3,000 so you can find out where our 38 bucks a month's going. I go, I'm serious. What if it's fake? And we're telling our children we're sponsoring these kids. I could be paying for some guy's Porsche. He goes, honey, you need to settle down. I go, no, you're going with me. And we're telling no one that we're coming to Africa. I'm going to be Diane Sawyer. I'm going to bust this thing open if it's fake, right? This is 2003. He goes, honey, you don't even have a passport. And you got to get shots for this. I go, oh, no, we're doing all of it. And the night before our trip, my husband gets deathly ill. And we do this, ladies. I go, it's a sign. We're going to die in the plane <laughs> and leave our two little kids orphaned while I go try to find these kids that are 40 in Africa. He goes, no, babe, you're not sick. He goes, I think God wants to take a vacation with you. Anyone feeling me right now? I'm like, no, honey, I think you need to suck it up, buttercup. That's what I think. He goes, no, honey, you need to go. I'm too sick. So the next morning, I woke up, and I ripped those little pictures off my refrigerator, and I flew from LAX to Heathrow, from Heathrow to Entebbe in coach. Don't do it, ladies. Just use your points. <laughs> I was so cranky, it wasn't even funny. So this was me arriving in East Africa. I'm like, hi, I'm from America, and I came to meet my two children, AR212 and GR479. Where are they? Like, I'm the FBI. She goes, okay, let's get some action done. Follow me. I'm thinking, great. Two miles later, she hikes me into the back lot of one of my movie sets. There were mud huts the size of my walk-in closet with a bad-looking sheet for a front door. And she goes, this is Omega's house. That's my little girl in my refrigerator. Like, pimp her ride already, right? She goes, that's her house. Go ahead. Go in. And as I pull this sheet back to go inside, this little girl, this little girl, she darts at me. She goes, Mzungu, which means white, okay? <laughs> at the time, at the time, I'm thinking she's saying, angel, like this white girl just dropped from the sky. And I said, Omega? Because I didn't recognize her. She had, like, grown from her photo. I go, I'm Shalene. She goes, I know. 
And as I was holding her like I would my little girl, Brooke, I'm thinking she's real, like 38 bucks a month. And then my eye catches the Christmas card photo of our family embedded in her mud wall. I'm like, she's been getting my mail. No, actually, if I'm being honest, I was thinking, my mother-in-law doesn't put up my picture. I'm like, wow. I'm like, honey, I'll get you anything because I have an American Express card, you know? She gets this big smile on her face, and she goes, I'd love a bed. I go, cool, where's Target Jungle out here? Like, you got a pottery barn? What do you got? So I took her and Al Onice, we call him Al, like I said, into Kampala. It's the capital of their country in Uganda. And I bought them beds, sheets, a mosquito net for the malaria, a blanket, and a pair of shoes for $20. Can you say $20? I'm like, we're all Oprah over there. I'm like, who wants a bed? I'm like, you get a bed, you get a bed, you get a bed in the back. They were three bucks a bed. I went back to her village and did an HGTV design on a real dime. I'm passing out beds, I'm hanging mosquito nets, I'm rolling out linoleum on the mud floors, and I'm thinking if my girlfriend's back home in Los Angeles, if they knew I was skipping a manicure pedicure, come on church, and I'm keeping these kids alive, fed, and in school, they'd skip it. So when I got back, I started skip1.org. Skip something and feed a child. Skip a latte, a lunch, a pack of gum. Wash your own car, a round of golf. The amounts are relevant. Matter of fact, a little girl went on our website back in 09 when we started Skip One, and she skipped her tooth fairy money and bought a bed for a child. But you see, this sponsorship program, this, this rescuing these two little kids, God wasn't done pressing hard on me about what he thinks about that. So my daughter, she was getting ready to graduate high school in 2017, and she said, is there any way Omega can be at my graduation in California? I'm like, wow, who's your mama? I know I'm crazy, but Brooke, I can't give people visas. Look what God did. Show Omega and my daughter. Hello, right? Is that crazy? And guess where you take her when you live in California? Disneyland, that's right. She was freaking out. But God also wanted me to know that Omega was going to be the first girl to graduate high school from her village. Check this out. Wow. I know. My daughter just graduated. She played Division I lacrosse for five years at Liberty University. Go Flames. I know Liberty's here in Virginia. And Omega just graduated, see the hats, from Uganda Christian University at $400 a semester. <laughs> I was about to ship my kids over there and tell them they can go be the foreigner. Go over and go to school there. It's unbelievable. You see, I don't know as a Christian when comfort and safety became my number one priority, but it was paralyzing me. You know, I was the girl who sat in the front row on the left at church every Sunday, the same seat, and if someone was in my seat, they must be a visitor because they would know that's where I sit. I mean, the biggest risk I took was maybe passing out a program and got a paper cut or working VBS and got gum in my hair. That was my big service to God. 
And so going to Africa, getting outside of my comfort zone and coming face-to-face with compassion completely shifted my atmosphere as a Hollywood producer. I had no idea. You know, I was raised with a SWAT guy for a dad growing up. My sister and I, my dad was not a godly man, but he was a safety man. He'd set the fire alarm off at 2 in the morning. I'd have to get my baby sister out the second floor window, chuck her butt into the pool, jump in after her, and then go stand on the mark. My dad's like, if there's a fire, that's what you do. Hey, Dad, can we go back to bed? We're dripping wet. You know, you didn't care we were going to hell, Dad, but I'm glad I can get her out of the house. You see, we need to start getting comfortable with God making us uncomfortable. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I can't read about a single apostle or hero of their faith that was living a comfortable life. Matter of fact, everybody who's made a major impact in this world for God operated from a place of extreme discomfort. But so often I get caught up in my comfort-driven world that I miss out on things God wants to show me, ways he wants to grow my faith. So tonight I want us to take a baseline check of our soul. You know, my son played football at Oaks Christian, and they would take a baseline check of their brain. Anyone play football out there, any sport? They do this now, right? And they take a baseline check because if you get hit, they want to check your concussion and make sure that you're not losing your marbles. But we don't do this with our soul. We think coming to an event like this and hearing great artists sing, maybe have a speaker come up here and share God's word. But we need to hold the mirror up to our own soul. God says, and when you do that, it will be well with you. You know, this adventure for me going to Africa completely shifted my atmosphere, and it got me wondering. I had no idea when I grew up going to church my whole life that there was 168 verses in the Bible on the poor. Verses like this one. Oh, no, can we go to the um, Proverbs one? Thanks, Malachi. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. I, I had no idea. Anyone knew that verse was in there? I think so often we're going, why, is it, why don't I have the things I'm praying for? What's going on, God? You know the needs I have in my life with my job, with my wife, with my kids, with my coworkers, with my employer. I don't know. What have you done for the poor lately? I love the verse in Luke. Can you put that up? It says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, Shalene? Oh, I put my name in the Bible, by the way. It's so true. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So often when I meet people after I speak or on a book tour, they'll say, how do you know what God wants to do with your life? I just know that doing nothing as a follower of Jesus is not an option. You know, I love the powerful verse, scary verse in Matthew 25 about Judgment Day. It's a day in the future when all of us, everyone, all creations from all walks of life will be gathered in the throne room of God. And it says in that moment, it kind of reminds me of us gathering right here. But just think about every person, whether you believe in God or you don't, you're going to be at this event. You're going to be gathered in the throne room of God, and it says the Lord's going to separate the people 
That means you and me, just like a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. Matthew talks about how he separates the sheep to the right and the goats to the left. And he looks to the right and he says, come, take your inheritance prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I needed food and you fed me. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. So, so often I'll say, what does God want us to do? I think he kind of laid it out with these six things. I got a slide for that, I think. Feed the hungry, Shalene. Give water to the thirsty. Welcome a stranger. Clothe the needy. Care for the sick. Love those in prison. So if you're my personality, eight on the Enneagram, for those of you who know what that is, I made it a checklist. I was like, I did that prison ministry thing, check. I went and visited some old lady in the hospital. I gave that homeless guy a Subway sandwich. I'm like, check, check, check. Now what do you want me to do, God? I'm ready. He's like, no, Shalene, that's not a checklist. That's a life list. That's a life of love. I want you living with the people around you. See, as followers of Jesus, God wants us to be contagiously connected. And in L.A., where I live, you just hit your gates, you open your thing to your house, you pull your, gar- your car in the garage, you hit the remote, and you don't really talk to anybody but people you want to talk to. It's just so opposite of what the Bible says he want- God wants us to do. You know, in all my travels going all around the world with Skip One, we build kitchens and put in wells in third world countries. I have two photographs that hang in my office. One is of a woman named Elfis, a young mom who had to sell her 13-year-old daughter into sex trafficking to save her other two little babies. A decision that the moms here tonight will never have to make. We have to worry that our kids aren't going to be on type 2 diabetes medicine by the time they're 8. Thank you, supersize it, McDonald's. You see, the reality is, is if you slept in a bed last night like I did, and have a roof over your head, and you keep your food in what's called a refrigerator, you and I are richer than 75% of the entire world population, yet we run around saying we're broke, when really we're overfed and unconcerned, and we need to skip that. We want for nothing in America, and the rest of the planet's living on less than $2 a day. You see, I had these two pictures, one of Elfis, and the other one was right here. Some of you might have seen this. The picture was called The Struggling Girl, and it came out in the New York Times in March of 1996. You can Google it. It's a little girl. She's in South Sudan. She's stricken by the famine going on there. She's crawling to a UNICEF feeding program that's less than a quarter mile away to get a one-cent cup of rice to save her life. And this vulture comes in. The photographer who took this picture, his name is Kevin Carter. When he got back to the United States and this was published in the New York Times, the New York Times phone was blowing up. What happened to the child? 
You see, Kevin Carter was asked to just join the Associated Press over in Sudan and just document with a writer what was going on over there. You're to take the photos, Kevin, and this guy's going to write about it. Don't intervene. Don't get involved in anything. So when this picture came out in the New York Times, he had to give a quote. And he said, well, I'm not sure what happened to the little girl. Um, I kind of shooed the vulture away, kicked the vulture away, but I had to catch a plane to get back to America. So I'm not sure if she made it to the uh, UNICEF feeding station. But there was one just a quarter mile away. I'm screaming as I'm reading this. Any moms here tonight? Any moms here? Thank you. Yes. We would have picked that up like a football and run her to the touchdown zone. That's no questions asked, right? Intervene my, mm. This child is crawling in a vulture. You see, Kevin Carter, two months after that was put in the New York Times, went on to win the Pulitzer Prize for that photo. That's the highest award in photojournalism. It's like the Academy Award for photojournalism. He won the best award he possibly could for that photo. And three months later, he committed suicide. Kevin Carter forgot to take a baseline check of his soul, and it killed him. The suicide note he left, I want to read it so that I'm accurate to his family, explained that he was so haunted by the vivid memories of the starving and wounded children that he couldn't go on. It's amazing to come and worship God. It's amazing to pause and come and gather together. But for years, I did concerts and went to events just like this, and I was actually missing heaven by 18 inches. I had head knowledge of God. I even knew the Bible stories. I could do the little Matthew, Mark, Luke, John thing and win the candy at VBS. But my heart was far from it. I was pursuing Shalene's world as a producer in Hollywood. God draws a line at our heart, not if you go to Africa or not. God draws a line at your heart. How are you treating your wife? God draws a line at your heart. How are you as children rising and calling your parents blessed? How are you loving your neighbor today? Or do you flip them off on the way to church? That was my dad. Every Sunday. God draws a line at our heart, and it will be well with your soul. It's not enough just to have head knowledge about Jesus. The demons believe in God, my dear friends, and they shudder in hell. See, my fear is I'm not worried that anyone here tonight is going to fail at anything. The young people, the parents, the grandparents, all the way up. I'm not worried you're going to fail at anything. My fear is you're going to succeed at something that doesn't matter and waste your life. God says, I know the plans I have for you. They're to prosper you and not to harm you. They're to give you a hope and a future. So whenever you want to get on that narrow road that few find, Jesus goes, I'm right here, and I'm in the victory business, by the way. I win. But true religion 
that God our Father says is faultless isn't showing up at church or knowing verses or being able to sing songs. The scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, knew all of that. And the Bible says, I tell you the truth, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. God doesn't want us just to be a hearer of the word of God and then walk away and do nothing with it. He goes, why do you call me Lord, Lord, Shalene, and not do what I say? True religion isn't just a cute pair of jeans. True religion is taking care of widows and orphans. It's like, when was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time that we did anything for somebody that couldn't do something for us? In Hollywood, it's all about scratching each other's back. I'll do for you. You do for me. I'll book you in this movie. You book me in that one. I'll use your DP on that. I'll use your makeup artist on this one. Good, good. Are we good? I finally got to the age where God goes, you don't need to suck up to anybody walking the earth. There's no employer. There's no pastor. There's no band. There's nobody here on this planet that can cast you into hell or lift you into heaven. There's only one way, and it's through the blood of Jesus. If you're going to suck up to someone, go up, people. Go right on up to the top. Humility wins. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Trust me with your happily ever after. You know, there's only one time in the Bible where God says to test him, and it's about money. Isn't that crazy? He doesn't say, test me, Shalene, and see if I don't throw you into hell. You know, I'm not arrogantly up here going, oh, I'm a Christian. I've been married to the same man for 32 years. I have two kids that rise and call me blessed. And No, I suck and need a Savior. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Like, let's not be churchy here. We're here because you came to have an encounter with Jesus. You're here because the people sitting around you all have stories. They all have crap going on in their lives, and there's only one person that can restore that and redeem it and give you new eyes and a new vision and a new purpose, and his name is Jesus. Amen. So nice to just drop that backpack of pricks. I don't need to suck up to the next investor or producer or writer. God says, I'm letting them breathe. Why don't you get on your knees, Shalene, and I will bring who you need around you immediately. Or you can just keep going on the hamster wheel. Go ahead. How's that working out for you? The best thing I ever did was move from producing to poverty. And you know why I didn't want to do it? One is I made a lot of money. I made a lot of money. I like nice things. And the second reason was I was respected for what I did. I'm sure people here would love to meet me, show me your script, get me in a movie. But me as a woman, as a follower of Jesus, if you can't see through me to him, I lose. God doesn't need our movie our music. He wants our hearts. And I had never taken a baseline check on my soul. That trip in 03, the Lord shifted my atmosphere and completely opened up the floodgates of heaven and poured blessings on my life that I, I couldn't contain. I had no idea how that was going to shift. Money was never an issue for God. He goes, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. But in the Bible, he says, test me. And it's about money. He goes, test me. Bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. 
Test me and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour blessings on your life that you can't contain. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I needed clothes and you clothed me. You can never outgive God. And I've also never met a generous person who was broke. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The truth is, our life's a vapor. We're all just exiting here. We all know somebody who's died this year. My husband's mom just died two months ago. My dear friend from high school reached out because of social media. She just, just was told she has three months to live. Wife, three little kids under the age of 16. What are we waiting for? There's an urgency. We're all worshiping something. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about you. What would your family say is the most important thing about you? Why don't you ask them? You see, I have a hard time flying all the way across the country for just to have a good speaker or good music and leave here and go have good food or play some cornhole and do nothing with the word of God. And this is why I come to this event. I've been here one other time before, um, I think in 2018. I come here because this event is all about putting action to our faith. Understand, this doesn't save you. It's out of obedience, out of a heart that I go, the Bible says that? I had no idea it said that. Then I'm doing that without delay, immediately. So tonight, I brought my friends from Compassion here, and I want to do something that's never been done at Creation Fest in the creation of this event, which is awesome. Thank you, Preston, right? We're going to get an opportunity with my friends from Compassion to at least pray, not kick the frickin' vulture away, but at least pray for every child who's living on less than $2 a day around the world because God says, I want you to go into all the earth. It's a form of worship. It's a form of singing. So if you're willing to pray for a child with me tonight, I have a kid here. You're not going to believe this child's name I was handed. Me too. Right? It says that, right? Yeah, me too. M-E-E-T-U. Someone's going home with this little one. I'm telling you that. But I thought, what if we could together, like at a football game, we scream for a team. What if we lifted these kids' names to heaven and allow God to be God, the provider of everything? So if you're willing to pray for a child, please stand. And I'll have my friends hand one of these. We're going to do this together like a concert. Thank you. We're going to do this like a concert right now. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. Why don't we pray for these children and let God be God and open up the floodgates of heaven and pour blessings on their life that they can't contain? Some of you might want to rescue a child and trust God with 38 bucks a month, but I'm not even asking you right now to do that. I'm saying, are you willing to pray for a child? I have so many of these now. This is the cheapest kid I've ever had. No braces. No college. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I want you to yell that name out as if you gave birth to this child. So if you're willing to join me, thank you. You're never going to regret living out true religion. You want me to? Here you go. 
Yay. Good catch. In Dallas Willard's book, Divine Conspiracy, he talks about a jet pilot. Keep standing for me. This is just absolutely amazing. He says, if my people will pray, will humble themselves and pray, in my name I will hear your cries and I will rescue your land. These children need to be rescued. And I feel prayer is the most powerful thing to do it. And if not us, then who? And if not now, when? You're going to have to skip something for those of you who end up wanting to keep the child, but it doesn't cost us anything to pray for a child and come together as the body of Christ. These kids' names have probably never been said out loud in America ever, but tonight. And in Dallas Willard's book, he was talking about a jet pilot who was performing high-speed maneuvers in zero visibility. And the pilot pulled the controls for what he thought was going to be an upward climb, and he ended up straight in the ground because he was totally unaware that he was flying upside down. And church, I'm telling you, in our fast-paced, high-tech, social media life, I think we all want to jump in. I think we all want to walk on water like Peter did. I think we all want to say yes to God. And we pull the control for what we think is going to be this upward climb, and we end up straight in the ground because we were totally unaware that we're living our life upside down. God says, he who gives to the poor will lack nothing. So do you think he was joking when he said that? Is Jesus lying when the red letter verse says that? Can you put it up, Malachi? Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do, Shalene, for one of the least of these, you didn't do for me. So lift those children up. I'm going to pray for me too with you. Can you lift it up? And let's pray together. Yell out that name like it was your child. Even if you mispronounce it, God knows where they are right now, is allowing them to breathe and knows how many hairs are on their head. And who knows, but this prayer could save their soul. Dear God, tonight we pray for. Oh, I know you're louder than that. I heard you singing. Tonight we pray for. Me too. Yes. God, provide for this child, Lord. We completely surrender and ask you to step in where people have stepped out. May these children here tonight not only get rescued, but come to a saving knowledge of you. Father, we trust you with $38. We trust you with our happily ever after. Thank you for the people here tonight, God. I pray for their souls. I pray for their families. I pray that you will touch their lives and bless them mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. The Bible says you don't have because you don't ask in my name. And I'm asking right now that marriages would be healed, that jobs would be provided, that finances would surface, that healing would occur right now, because as a body of believers, we are asking you to step in. Thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Amen. So those of you, some of you are going, I ain't touching any kid. I don't even want to pray for the kid. I don't want anything to do with the kid. Don't. 
God doesn't need you to do that then. It's out of the joy of our heart that we obey the word of God. But some of you have rescued a child. Some of you could take one for every grandkid you have, every child you have. I would love to meet you. I'd love to meet your child that you're rescuing. I want you to bring that packet. I'll be at the compassion table. I brought copies of my book, Love Skip Jump, with a foreword by Francis Chan, my pastor. I'd love to give you a free copy of that book for anyone who rescues a child. But it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you $38 a month to keep that kid alive, fed, in school, and learning about Jesus. And who knows? Maybe you'll be crazy like me and go on a trip and meet him. I go every year to meet one of the kids we rescue. But I want to send a blessing over everyone today. Can everyone just stand for a minute? It's so neat to be able to gather again since what happened. In tw- I'm looking around, and it's, it's so beautiful. But, Lord, I just pray a blessing over every person here tonight, even if I can't meet you, that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that he would make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Thanks for being here, you guys. God bless.